Hi, and welcome to the Productized Podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, you can find the Productized Podcast from your favorite podcast player app, and you can subscribe from there. This is our show where we talk with productizers and innovators and cover the stories behind great product experiences and why it matters to innovators and makers like you. Welcome to the Productized Podcast, where innovators, product creators, entrepreneurs come to discuss impactful ideas. Our mission is to inspire more people to build great product experiences. My name is Andre Marquis. I'm the co-founder of Productized, and I'll be your host today. And today we have Julia Summerdeen. Um, Julia, she's an entrepreneur and is active with over 15 years experience in connectivity technology and digital solutions. She has experience in sales, marketing, tax strategy, and system solutions and integration with data-driven and a system syncing approach. Julia, um, she's currently the CEO and co-founder of Labby, where she holds responsibilities in the areas of fundraising, sales, and go-to-market. And Julia studied at MIT in the MIT SD program and also holds an MBA and a BS in electronics engineering. Julia has an insatiable curiosity for cutting-edge technology, and her dream is to make the world a better place with it. Outside of the business and tech worlds, Julia's other passions include traveling and fashion. So with no further ado, let me just have Julia with us here in the stage. Hi, Julia. How are you? Hi, live from Cambridge, U.S. All right. So you're in in Cambridge, um, U.S. Yes. Um, and you're back to the office. So I've heard. So that's that must be good for you for the team. Are you happy with that move? Uh, you know, it's a transforming um, process. We all locked down in the house for so long, and uh, we didn't realize we're human. Human that we need to interconnect. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, since back to office, everyone's super happy. Great. So, hey, Julia, just just to get some context and get to know you a little bit better as a person, as a CEO, um, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey? How did it start? Because I guess this is your first um, entrepreneurial adventure as a CEO. But of, of course, you have uh, quite an experience as a, a technologist. So can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, love to. So uh, first, I live in Cambridge, which is a small, tiny, but kind of famous town. Uh, I have a right between MIT. I'm right between MIT and Harvard. I think that kind of um, have uh, impact on everything I do, how I network with people. Uh, so back to my um, on the personal level, my undergrads, I'm an immigrant from China. I moved to U.S. about 21, uh, 21 years ago. It's a long time. Yeah. So, so my yeah. undergrads. What, what what made you what 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 made you move uh, from the U- from China to to the US? Uh, it's a it's a family. Um, I got married um, and I have kids. Mm-hmm. So um, my husband was uh, American. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for American companies since um, graduation. So it was easier mm-hmm. for me to move to US since I speak English. Mm-hmm. Then my husband moved China, speak Chinese. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it was a compromise man. I think in the end, um, work on well. It definitely is a new process, moving to a new country, a new place, have new friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely enjoyed. 
Yeah, great. And you've been living in the U.S. since then, right? So, um, yes. and, saying, and I, I interrupted you, but you were, you're just telling your story. You moved to the U.S. and then what, what, what happened? Uh, also good inter interest. So I'm a professional. I work every day. Um, but since I moved to, after I moved to U.S., I did stop working for two years because my boy, um, baby boy was young. For me, it was a family. It was always, even today. It's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So for me, it gave me up two years of my professional life, be mm -hmm. able to stay home with my baby boy. Uh, that was uh, my decision made. Um, and I never regret it. Today, he's 20, 21 year old. That was very brave from you to, to stop working and to stay with your you know youngest kid, first it, kid. It, so I'm a you know, um, risk taker. Mm -hmm. Become very independent at a very young age, um, so it was hard. But also, it's um, along the journey. I learned a lot. It's uh, I built a new friendship. I started my new career. Mm -hmm. So it is a um, life changing experience for me. Right, and and after that, you decided to study again, and you went to the MIT. How was that experience coming back to school? You know, coming back yeah. to especially such a hard, difficult topic, right? Not, yeah. you know, I, I believe it was a systems uh, thinking and engineering. Yes, I'm actually take a make a little correction, uh, correction here. So I, I got my undergrad degree um, electronics and electrical engineering. Um, mm. So in, in, that in was back in, in China. Then right. after that, I worked for a Fortune 500 company in, in China. I mm -hmm. worked for Siemens, worked for GTE. Um, my first job is satellite communications. Uh, mm -hmm. So very high tech. Uh, then I moved to US in end of 1999. I remember landing in New York airport on, on the day of Christmas. Oh, wow. Um, so I didn't have to go back because of my job training. And uh, after my son was two and a half year old, I went back to work. I didn't have to go back to school because mm -hmm. that is a technical, all their technical experience. Doesn't matter which country, which school, uh, all counted. Um, so I went back to work in 2002, two years after break. But in 2006, I decided I want to get a little more involved with the business because even my with my first job in the U.S., mm -hmm. was uh, I was involved with project planning, system engineering, so a lot of budgeting and financial involved, business decisions. So I was curious how leaders make that decisions, right? So I went back to uh, school in Northeastern in 2006. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a high-tech MBA. It's not a traditional MBA. So it's very clear for people coming from a high-tech background. Mm -hmm. uh, so then I started work for um, a second company in the U.S., which is also a Fortune 500 company, but they're in the defense, public defense uh, industry. Mm -hmm. Then in 2013, and I wonder, I, after 15 years in the industry, I want to do something different. But I didn't know what it was it. So I decided to go back to school, applied MB MIT, um, then I got in. Um, so that's how this thing started. So MIT was a kind of my second second master studies. And how do you how do you feel that um, that I, I, MIT experience influenced your path as a CEO and co-founder of a technology company? I believe you you met your co-founder at MIT as well. I did. So MIT is my, I would say, um, 
second life, second chance, it's a definitely transformational. Mm-hmm. Before MIT, my career ladder is always corporate, right? Uh, I was successful. I enjoy what I do. Uh, although I can sense I want to do something different, but I never knew. So came I came to after came to come to MIT. It is like um, uh, open open a new door uh, in life for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was um, um, transformational. I use the term the word a few times. Uh, in a ways, number one, I was able to meet many world famous professors. Mm-hmm. Uh, leaders, um, I was able to sit in, sit in their, you know, sit in their classroom, have a face-to-face conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that learning experience is uh, inspirational and Inspir- make, you inspirational. Your, make you believe your potentials, right? Mm-hmm. And learn from mm-hmm. those leaders and you see yourself with potentials. You want to fully explore that. Uh, second is, um, in learning. So you were in interface with a group of people. They're all super talented. And half of my classmates are doing startups. So mm-hmm. you're in that environment, everyone doing entrepreneur, you know, doing tech startup. Then that's how I got in, myself got into the startup. So I started by volunteering my time, uh, chaired a student ladder clubs, startup clubs. And that's how learning how the startup world function. Um, but also volunteer, I think I believe learn by doing, learn, learn, learn by giving. Um, so be able to build up the network of friends. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where I met my co-founder, be able to give my time, a volunteer in the community. Mm-hmm. It means a whole different experience for me. And you, you got along with your co-founder, you know, uh, it was love at first sight or did you get some time to actually build the relationship before? <laughs> you know, getting um, co-founding. My co-founder, he was a postdoc at MIT Media Lab. So back then he was a whole team, he was a, a starting new class called Medical Devices. So mm-hmm. he was the instructor for the class. I attended this class. So we mm-hmm. got along, we got along instantly, but we didn't start, that was back in 2015. We didn't start a company until 20, 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was definitely in that early stage, you know, you sense this person, I can, I could see myself start company ways, get along, have shared the same value, um, same uh, outlook on life. Um, I think that makes a huge difference. So I would say definitely not love at the first sight, but a huge potentials at the first sight. Yeah. So... You co-founded the company in 2017, so that was the year you co-founded Labby. And and just to give some context here, so Labby works transforming the dairy milk testing process using an IoT op- optical sensing solution. So how did you come up with this idea? Because it doesn't, you know, it, it's it's not crossing people's mind every single day unless you work, you know, in the dairy industry, right? You have the specific problem. So how did it come up with it? So MIT is always five years, 10 years for, right? They have lots of secret um, mm. technology, just ready to be commercialized. If you remember the movie from Tom Cruise, The Minority, so that was back in 1990s, but the technology been there. So, um, so that was part of my invention from my co-founders. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the challenge is how they commercialize. There's so many potentials. Um, so we, we, you know, that's probably longer questions. Um, 
So, but basically, when you look at the light is everywhere, right? Light is everywhere. And the spectroscopy is everywhere. It's in every part of our life. We just mm. might not be aware. Um, but the big challenge back in industry is everything technology, all the testing instrument is a lab based. That means you had to send samples to lab, waiting for five days before you can get results. So our model back then, how we started in the beginning is we want to reverse the process. We want to bring lab technology to the field so people mm-hmm. can do it, get instant knowledge about food or anything want to know instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how we started the technology. Cool. Yeah. Um, and, and how is it going so far? How is the company going? So it is a long, really long journey. It was hard. Uh, mm-hmm. So today we have a near commercial ready product. Uh, we have, we got a close two round of seed funding. Okay. We have uh, four employees. Mm-hmm. We have beautiful big offices. Uh, yes, I can we, see that. Uh, we um, was uh, for a lot of company was struggling during COVID. Mm-hmm. We actually did really well. Well, number one is you know we believe our product solution. Number two, mm-hmm. I think also with the COVID, the more and more people realize the potential, how important is the importance of the food agriculture. Yeah. So we actually got more attention uh, during the COVID. So today we're actually uh, we're actually going to have a product launch in September. Uh, mm-hmm. We're attending World Dairy Expo in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everything is still hard, but um, um, we believe we can um, bring our product to more people, more dairy farmers are, around the world. People are really excited. So we got mm-hmm. lots of orders. Right. So you have pre-orders already. You have dairy farmers already pre-ordering the product and saying they, you know, writing letters of intent, or are you actually selling the product already? Yeah, I want to say um, we have lots of pre-orders, but that's by choice. But in, mm-hmm. we learned the importance. You know, your your marketing, your product have been synchronized. So we learn from other stars, startups' mistakes. You don't want to market a product, pre-selling product way before or too early before your product is actually ready. Mm-hmm. So we purposely hold back the the sales process, but we do have a customer lineup. They say we want to become your first product customer. We want to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, we also build a lot of partnership and the startup, particularly in B two B, it's very different from B two C startup. So partnership is very important. Along the past two years, we were uh, able to build a strong partnership, very strong active right with. Um, with the dairy one, which is a U.S.-based uh, dairy testing lab, uh, with DFA Dairy Farm of America, we are also working with the Dalvo, which is the Swedish companies. Um, so we just signed. Uh, uh, we got our second seed funding from uh, a large international company with which uh, who's headquarters in based in UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they also have a partner distributors. All right. And, and do you think it, it is possible to apply this technology to other types of foods or, or are you looking into past beyond the, the dairy industry or you want to focus on the dairy industry for, because it's, it's such a huge, big market that should deserve your attention for the next few years. Yeah. The, the potential, the technology potential is a huge, mm-hmm. uh, um, as, as a matter of fact, we have, uh, had a successful 
pilot application with other industries before we decided to focus on dairy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were, you were testing different verticals before you we were. Yeah. Okay. So we even that? have at the Textile Lisbon, we even got mm-hmm. a local uh, a company, paper company, mm-hmm. who's interested in use our product testing nutrient for the leaves. You know, forest we take uh, for granted, but uh, you know the, the trees have to stay healthy, right? Mm-hmm. So be able to have this portable device uh, for uh, technician to able to tell if the trees get a uh, right amount of nutrients is very mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Uh, we even work with hospitals. The technology can be used for for newborn, for the jaundice testing. You mm-hmm. don't have to do a pinch for the blood work anymore. Mm-hmm. But in the end, we settled on the dairy agriculture because uh, after all the marketing studies, talk to different customers different from different industries, we believe at this stage, our technology would have a maximum, maximum impact in dairy. Given dairy being uh, all the innovation happening, all other part of the industries, mm-hmm. dairy is uh, kind of like uh, how, did, how did you find dairy? Was it by chance? Just started talking someone in the dairy industry and said, oh, this is really cool for milk testing. How, how is that? Uh, in early days, uh, because uh, MIT brand, you know, we also very actively involved with all, uh, all the business computation. So people are, lots of people were aware of what we do. So we mm-hmm. got encouraged, right? From saying, can you do this? Mm-hmm. Can you d- test in the water for, mm-hmm. for the outdoor activities, right? Can right. you test the milk? Can mm-hmm. you test the, the oil, lubricant oils? So th- those are excellent information for us, open the door for us. So one of them is a dairy company. They reach out us, can you do this, right? Mm-hmm. That's where we got information. We did extensive studies well, among all the industries. We look at market size, how soon we can bring the product to, to market, mm-hmm. and, and what is impact, right? So it is, a, a, I guess, it's a combination of conscious choice, but also all the, all the external uh, informations. Mm-hmm. So you were saying you decided to apply to the Lisbon edition of Techstars. Why was that? Uh, that was a, this is a good question. So before we accept the Techstar Lisbon, mm-hmm. we actually got accepting Techstar uh, Farm to Forks program, which is based in Minneapolis in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, we had to turn down that invitation. Uh, it is also, it is an accelerator program. Yeah. Um, uh, the number one, because the timing was not right. We just came out from DFA uh, mm-hmm. program. We were ready, dying to to allocate the folks on actually make the product ready, right? Mm-hmm. So the timing was not ready, and then we just turned down. But towards the f- September, uh, Hugo from Techstar Lisbon, he was yep. in the U.S. was a random message. Hey, I'm Techstar MD from Lisbon. I'm in the U.S. in Boston. Do you mm-hmm. guys want to meet? Okay. So. That's so we will we'll pitch you directly. Uh, I think if the, the, the love at the first sight, we just get along. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, he's um, the textile listman back then focused on industrial transformation, yeah. which is uh, really the value we deliver, right? Um, so that was the instinct, is instant fit between what Google was looking for and uh, the value mm-hmm. proposition we can provide. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, we there we had to go through regular the the interview uh, page, mm-hmm. um, but I think in the end we decided to travel all the way to Lisbon because we believe uh, Google's right. Mm-hmm. What I learned in the early process, this is good for every startup founders. It's very hard to convince people who don't believe you. You have to convince them. Believe me. Mm-hmm. Then work with people who believe you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the choice we made. And we could just believe our technology, believe the team. Uh, mm-hmm. was a, I mean, it was not a much difference between travel to Lisbon than travel to California. Okay. Uh, believers. First, first believers. Very, very important. Uh, very important. And how was your experience in, in the Lisbon Techstars? Uh, you know, that was a really interesting experience. Uh, <clears throat> the, the program was live for two weeks. Mm-hmm then had a wrap down to become a fully uh, remote online program. Unfortunately, but I was able to spend um, time in Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the cities. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah. um, even today, uh, we returned, I returned back to US before <laughs> the US closed the borders, right? Mm-hmm. So we did a program fully online, but the, the um, that that friendship built among the texture is, uh, I believe, is a lifelong. And mm-hmm. today we still um, talk to each other whenever we need we need to use each other as a sounding board. We say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" We still have our, our WhatsApp group. We still have our Slack channels. Um, so it was a great. And I, I told Google if I had to make a decision this time, I would make much much faster. Um, so I'm yeah. planning to come back to Lisbon. Um, Lisbon had a great network of uh, uh, designer, mm-hmm. uh, a developer, and engineers and business people. And um, um, I really, if I say yeah, I had opened a branch in Europe, I'm kind of debating between London and Lisbon, um, mm-hmm. just because of tremendous talent university here. Um, and I see, uh, you know, that could really help us lobby to open the market in the Europe. Yes. And there's quite a, a dairy industry as well. Um, so st- still on Labby's, um, I, I think you, you've said, um, in, in, you know, I'm, I'm quoting you, uh, some of Labby's competitors have shifted out of the milk testing because actually it is really hard. Not only to be able to do the testing itself, but to present accurate and meaningful results. So what are the, the biggest challenges as a product for, for lab right now? So I look, uh, I think the challenge is on three uh, front. The first one is um, technology itself. Right? Mm-hmm. So this is new technology. Uh, many large and small companies had chased this field. Mm-hmm. They had tried the product, but didn't have a successful results. So the first question is always uh, how your technology is different. Why you, why your companies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so second challenge is, as you said, is accuracy. We learned that at very early stage from our first customer farm visits, mm-hmm. uh, Mark, uh, he told me, if your accuracy results cannot deliver the accuracy we need, it's just mm-hmm. uh, it's just toy, it's not useful. Right. It's a toy. So that being since since then, been three years. That's always our on the top of our head. Every every everything we do, we look at is accuracy there. Are we able to deliver the results? A kind of a good analogy is uh, COVID, right? 
COVID didn't tell you if you have a COVID virus, you know, guess it. It's the same for farmers. Uh, the risk is high, uh, both animal health and uh, in terms of their economic impact. Uh, so that accuracy really makes a difference. Third is, I think, integration. This is the challenge for all B2B companies because our mm-hmm. product is not a standalone. We need to integrate our product into other people's existing product offering or solutions. So have that figure out how we can, it's an ecosystem, right? How we can enhance your value, how we can make my product easily and not disrupt your product offering. It's very important. It's, it's, it's a long process. Mm-hmm. Uh, along that, you got to understand how the product works, not with ours, but how a whole ecosystem works, right? Mm-hmm. The upstream, downstream, why people buy your product, what motivates them. Um, so until then, you cannot, uh, product to market fit is, is uh, the ultimate goal, right? Until you understand how your, everyone in the ecosystem works, mm-hmm. um, um, then it's really hard to figure out what is the best product features you should, uh, should propose. Um, so yeah, it's uh, on this, uh, the three fronts, I think the most challenging for us. Yes, it is hard. It is hard. And, you know, and, and one of, you know, you know, I guess entrepreneurs learn, learn a lot with entrepreneurs. And it's also what you were saying, uh, that you have learned with other companies, um, mistakes. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who wants to found a hardware startup because hardware startup is even i guess even more difficult especially if you are a first time hardware startup founder what are the kind of things that you wish you had known about when you when you started yourselves um obviously um have a good training right so mm-hmm. there's a lot of brilliant like mark zagberg He's a first-time founder, so he also got lucky. Mm-hmm. So I would say make sure you have um, good fundamental knowledge about how startup operates, how to talk to investors, how to, how the fund pro- fundraising process works. Those are very essential. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the most important is, you know, when I took so many startup classes at MIT, I did a lot of projects. Everyone tell me startup is all about the people. You know, I hear, I heard it, you know, but didn't really click in me until I really, t- now I had to hire people. Uh, so I believe startup is all people business, right? You, number one, you got to figure out uh, who you want to call, who you call the company ways. You have heard a lot of uh, stories, sad stories, co-founder don't get along. They uh, party their way along the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say really know your, know yourself, what type of people you're happy to work with because mm-hmm. they're not just co-founder. You spend so many time with them, right? Just like husband and wives, you had to like them and uh, you guys had to share the same goals. So that part I'm lucky, right? My co-founder and I, all this time, we have a very difficult time. Not always we agree with, agree with each other, mm-hmm. but in the end, we always united, right? Uh, second, I, will, I, I think it's very important is um, um, have a good financial training, right? As you said, hardware is uh, very important. It's a cash burning uh, business. If you make a wrong, one wrong turn, it uh, doesn't matter how brilliant your technology product, you might not have enough cash or just enough time to raise it in a new round to yeah. turn around. 
That's true. So are, are expensive. And, uh, and are, you, are you developing it in China or are you doing the hardware in, in the U.S.? Everything was U.S. made at this stage. I think in the down the road, maybe we, we had to follow other people's paths to cut down costs. Mm -hmm. uh, we might shift some of our manufacturing to China. But so far, everything's designed here, everything manufactured here. So everything's U.S. made. The fact that you are in, in, in you know, Boston, Cambridge region, you, you can get very easy access to companies developing industrial product design, uh, you know, electronics and so on, right? Because there's a, a ecosystem of hardware in exactly. the region. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It does help. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just for, for people that are not very, um, you know, um, experts in the field so what labby does it's like an advanced mobile lab which does you know it's a technique called spectroscopy right um so my curiosity is you you are going to determine milk composition and quality information like the, the milk quality in terms of fat proteins um but I imagine that uh, the communicating such a, a product uh, specific uh, specificities must be really a challenge. Uh, so how can you transform communicating something which is so technical, so dry in a way into readable and relevant data for farmers? Because I guess these guys don't have too much time to go through all the technicalities. They want, you know, something very practical that they can use in their lives. Very, very good question. I um, believe I'm a data visual person. So mm -hmm. I, I believe people say they remember it, right? So that same kind of your product promotion marketing. Uh, so along the, along the way, we, we designed uh, videos, um, uh, video animations. Mm -hmm. I've seen some of those in your site. From Jose mm -hmm. to convey the value, to show people how this works, how this can easily integrate, implement implemented on your farms, right? So we use a lot of uh, new materials. We had uh, used the social media, the chatbot in the early, even back in three years ago. Mm -hmm. well, people don't like email, particularly farmers, right? But they like to chat. They wouldn't, they would like to, uh, they would answer your phone calls, right? So I think for me is uh, the marketing, I use the uh, uh, videos to, to uh, then just the brochures. And, and I think that helps a lot because a lot of time we ask people to see, you know, the comparison. If we give you the shades, do you understand what we do? Then if at the same time we do, you know, just a comparison. If we give you videos, how you feel about that? Does this clearly convey and describe our technology? And it's no brainer. People always say, yeah, you know, I... I saw that I understood that your, your product just before looking at a website, looking at your marketing brochure, but now after videos, I totally understood. Um, so another, we're going to have uh, another idea is we're going to have a, we're attending uh, exhibition in the September World Dairy Expo. Mm -hmm. So I talked to my team yesterday, uh, rather than have a brochure, we're of course going to have them, right? What do we mm -hmm. do? We're going to build a, a life-size cow. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have our product right underneath the cow. Okay. We're going to have a milking station, miniature milking station there. Uh, so people just say it, right? People see the farm, see the cow, they see where our product will be installed. Mm -hmm. So this is like a, a miniature demo right on the trade show floor. Mm -hmm. 
Right. So that's how we able to do it. You know, of course, talk to customers is important. Listen to the ideas, listen to the questions, make different. But I, I would say definitely agree with you. How to make your product vivid, easily to un, un, understood, uh, it's very important. So the the product really gives uh, farmers the power to do precise mastitis detection. Uh, on the cows and that enables them to act before it causes, you know, significant profit loss. And I guess, you know, if you're in the dairy, dairy industry, you you want to keep the, the, the cows as healthy as possible so you don't have profit loss. So have you been able to measure the, I don't know, ethical, social, or even financially impacts of the technology and how this might actually save in, in terms of the industry if, if it is widely um, adopted? Um, this is a profound question. We, we do, we are, have been mindful of who we work with, how our product can bring change, impact mm -hmm. to the society, to the world. Um, this, this, maybe a starting point is how big is the, 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 the dairy industry yes. in, in the U.S. alone? Most people have no idea, but I guess it's really the billions, yeah. right? Yeah. So there are. There are 250 million cows mm -hmm. in the U.S. alone. In the in the world, right? No, in the, the U.S. The world. Yeah, in the world, in the U.S., about nine million cows. Mm -hmm. right? So I think in in least Portuguese, I think maybe around half million, a million mm -hmm. uh, cows. Uh, so there are a lot of cows around the world. Right? Yeah. Um, so economic impact is that's why we talk about mastitis. Mastitis is very common but expensive mm -hmm. disease. And even with the most well-managed farms, the cow each month, they're gonna get, a farmer gonna have between 2% to 5% cows, who's gonna, um, um, you know, the cows gonna diagnose or experience mastitis. Okay? Mm -hmm. And very expensive in terms of each case for mastitis is about $500. You know, when you're including all the treatment, all the milk had to be disregarded, um, then all the supply chain risks, additional uh, cost. Mm -hmm. So farmer have um, uh, direct incentive to find, you know, early to early detection in the case. So farmer have all incentive to find a way to help them spot out those animals who's already developed subclinical mastitis. Subclinical means there are no visual um, symptoms, including milk mm -hmm. change, color change. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the size of the economic opportunity is a, is a giant, right? Uh, so the, the total cost uh, to the, the total loss from mastitis to the dairy industry is about $32 billion each year. Yeah, so that's, that's, a, huge, that's yeah. a huge market opportunity. Yeah. Yes, and... Um, social, I, I do want to address this, right? So farm is a very... Agriculture is important. Farm is in, important to everyone. This doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's China, US, or Europe. Um, aren't you... Yes, I, I'm just wondering, aren't, aren't you reducing... Uh, sorry, aren't you worried that because of health concerns, cow milk consumption has been lowering in the developed world. I, I know it's a big world out there. You have lots of countries where milk consumption is actually going up, but in yeah. the US, in Europe, milk consumption, cow milk consumption is, is going, um, it's stabilizing or, or going down. So um, how do you see the, the, the market dynamics in that sense? 
So I want to say there's a lot of uh, market on, on the, you know, when you see in the store, they call them a milk, but right. it really is not a milk, right? So there you have a, the plant-based milk, they call milk, yeah. you have almonds. I think there are a lot of marketing uh, debating their, you know, roughly used uh, marketing terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I believe it, it, milk is milk, right? Right. So you're going to always say this, there are new product coming out, you know, people want to try it, they're, you know, not low product people like to try, but in the end, when we look at the back to the nutrition, right, I think that's the most important for our ch- mm-hmm. children, the next generation, milk, no, no other, um, I would say, um, um, substitution can replace the, the nutrition we can get from milk, right, the protein, mm-hmm. the calcium, um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm very conscious of what I'm eating, so I feel more comfortable drinking milk than drinking alternative. Um, in terms of economic impact, that's where mm-hmm. all the innovation happens in the dairy, right? People realize dairy can do better. You know, animal uh, doesn't matter. That's why you see a new, more and more innovations coming to dairy. You know, not, not only to improve efficiency, mm-hmm. um, make the world a bit more sustainable, uh, but also increase, improve animal, uh, animal health, welfare. Mm-hmm. Um, for yeah. our product, you know, we have a profound impact on the, um, on the CO2 reduction because with our solutions, lots of milk testing, ref, ref, uh, you know, refrigeration storage can be minimized, right? So when you look at all the CO2 reduction from the truck drivings, refrigerations, um, I don't have this number. We are working on a study right now. But I believe with our solution can reduce the CO2 maybe by 5%. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. And, and as a manager, as a, you know, a product manager, because I guess that you also work not only as a CEO, but pretty much as a, a product manager at this stage of a company, what, what is your vision that you really sell to your team to focus on for the next few years? Yeah. Um, short term is then um, product, right? Product mm-hmm. market fit. Uh, product market fit. Product you, you, market feel, fit. you feel that you guys are yeah. still pre-product market fit or post or already product? Uh, I think we have been able to validate our product market fit because we got a so strong interest. People want mm-hmm. to buy it, people want to try our product in their mm-hmm. farms. Mm-hmm. I think we have to find the right angle in terms of product uh, market fit. Um, but every day, you know, we don't take for granted. We still right now, every week, uh, my team visits two or three farms, listen to farmers, try our product and see, observe how they use our product, right? So it's ongoing what, process. What, what, do, what do they like the most? Is it the fact that they, you know, they can do it on the fields? What, what, do, what do you feel they, it's the killer aspect is of the, the feature that, that really gets them to understand and to like about um, Labby? yeah. Uh, our feature uh, meet the Excel in combination of three, uh, uh, aspect mm-hmm. cost speed and accuracy mm-hmm. uh, that is our secret sauce along accuracy we know we're not able to beat the large laboratory because they're always more accurate right mm-hmm. yeah. but those are not affordable uh, speed is very important just like today the consumers demand instant knowledge about mm-hmm. the food about everything they want to know uh, they don't they're not patient to wait for days or weeks right? mm-hmm. 
So for us, our secret secret sauce is we are able to achieve the perfect balance, optimize optimize in cost, speed, and accuracy. Uh, so that also reflect our the feedback from our farmers. They like the portability. Uh, most of them they say oh, we have never seen something like this. So small can deliver such powerful results. Um, of course, in the end they ask back to say, is it accurate? Is the results accurate? <laughs> um, yeah. Do do you, I mean I've I've heard about this Israeli company where they use this portable. Um, you know, it's a startup, but they have been able to do a spectroscopy, a spectroscopy uh, available on a portable basis. And they sell this as a, a way for, for people to do their own food analysis quality on the move, wherever they are. Do you see, do you see this? This is, this is something maybe in the future people are going to do, analyzing their own food, having, you know, devices, maybe, I don't know, in your mobile phone, like now you have a camera, you might just you know, check out the quality of the food you're eating. Do you think this is getting there anytime soon? I don't believe that's the future. So just like how the iPhone uh, transform our, uh, our our life, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, right now you hear, you hear Elon Musk talk about extended human brains, right? Mm -hmm. Our brain, human brains really good at logical thinking, but mm -hmm. not at the computing powers. Uh, human eyes is really good to spot out the beauties in nature, right? Mm -hmm. And but it's not able to see on the molecular level. Uh, so we need a human, I think, in the next um, decades, even longer. Mm -hmm. um, as a race, we're constantly looking for things that extend our, you know, our sense, our ability to see things, to smell things. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that you have a smartphone on your hands uh, with this, um, I say, um, spectroscopy, basically turn anything invisible to visible data uh, will be um, next, I call them the next information technologies. But it's, I do believe it's coming. Maybe take five years, 10 years. Mm -hmm. But if anything uh, sooner, I wouldn't be surprised uh, because there are a lot of technology been working. People, scientists have been working on this technology for the past decades. It's just a matter of, you know, commercialization, find the right market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, well, while we still don't have all those superpowers, I know that you are a sports fan um you you're doing cycling and training are you are you are you still active are you doing this on a regular basis do you get the time to do it as a very active ceo and co-founder i guess finding time is never easy so what's your practice there it's um you sometimes you believe it's the right thing to do you have to force yourself to do it right <laughs> um yeah. but in the i believe you know to stay healthy uh, it's very important as a founder it's a startup is a mentally physically physically challenged business mm -hmm. uh, we sometimes i will sometimes work uh, 15 hours a day um so I force myself, even if I don't time, if I don't want to do it, I force myself to do it because the right thing to do. Uh, on the other hand, I'm a, I grew up, you know, living very healthy, healthy style. So it is in my, in my blood. When I work out, I go cycling. It's kind of distressing, rejuvenating process for me. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, I didn't like it, but towards the end of cycling, um, you know, you just feel, I just feel relaxed, recharged, and ready for next, next work. 
Um, and you're actually hitting the road, right? You have a, a road bike, you go and yes. you do it. What do you think about alternatives? Like Peloton has a product. Do you believe on the concept? On the concept? I do believe. I actually have a bike at home as well. You know, those stationary bike. It's not mm -hmm. a Peloton. It's a, a bike from Costco, but they're the mm -hmm. same. Yeah. Um, so it's very convenient. In the bad way, bad weather, I can just hop on my bike from my, my bedroom. And I do believe that, you know, Meta have the uh, gym work access equipment right next to you, um, help you just get on, not thinking about. But also today, we, I see the new innovation coming. It's beyond bike, right? They build mm -hmm. this uh, community. So, uh, you know, the real-time coach. Yeah. Uh, I think in the end, everything is a connectivity, right? How we can help each other connect to each other. Uh, I think that's a, that's a, so that's the purpose of the technology, make us more connected, make us live happier, healthier. Um, yeah. Those are technology I believe are going to live longer. Yes, and and that's that's I believe a great way to wrap it up. Um, it's all about having healthier foods and healthier minds. So, Julia, thank you so much for sharing such great insights with us today. Um, I don't know, can, can you please tell our audience how they can get in touch with you if they want to know more about Lobby, uh, sorry, Labby, if they want to know more about, um, the, you know, yourself as, a, as an entrepreneur? Um, can people reach out to you in any way? Yeah, please. You can reach out to me directly by my email, which is julia at labbyinc.com. Mm -hmm. And you also, just... please connect me on my LinkedIn. You can also reach me out on the Twitter account. Uh, we also have a company Instagram account. So you can reach me uh, in multiple different channels. So your email is julia the... at labby.com. Yeah, labby inc. Labby inc. Labby inc. Dot com. Inc. Dot com. Dot com, yes. All right. So I'll, I'll just share that here with... Um, and, here in, in the chat. So if you want to reach out to Julia, just hit uh, Julia at labinc.com. Um, we have a couple of questions. Would you mind to answer those? Please. I, I, love, I love all kinds of questions. All right. So we have a question here from my, um, our own mommy. Mommy is from France and is asking, does the hardware connected to, is connected to the cloud or is it using Bluetooth to communicate to the app? Okay, so good questions. We do have a two product, mm -hmm. uh, which is uncommon for startup because they always tell you put all your money uh, in one basket. Uh, so we do have a portable device, which is a pair with your smartphone through Bluetooth. Uh, we do have an inline sensing, which is a fixed mounted on the farm that directly connect to the Wi-Fi to the cloud. All right, so Mami, uh, I hope this has answered your question. Um, and I don't know if anyone has this, any specific question. Um, if you guys do, um, don't forget that uh, Julia is more than willing to help you. I guess this is a great, great story for a product market fit because we have uh, students um, on on our product management course and of course product market fit is really probably one of the hardest things to to do when you go and try to build a product because it takes time because it's sometimes it's hard to measure 
Um, and one of the, the questions that Marco is doing is really, if, if you're building a, a startup based on hardware, do you recommend doing it in-house or outsourcing the hardware development to another company? And if so, where is a great country to outsource um, that hardware development to? Um, good question. I don't believe there's a, you know, one cookie cutter answer for this. I would say it really depends on your team. If you have a right team who has uh, the hardware skills, then I would recommend you build, build in-house mm -hmm. because that means you can, you can change the people, the, the product very quickly, right? Mm -hmm. That's also very important for you to re retain the knowledge. Um, then what? if you're, um, a team without such um, expertise, but you have a great vision about the product you're going to build, then maybe it's outsourced is a, is a, a good options. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on what, what, what the resources you have inside the team. What what's yeah. your case? Do you have um, in, internal internalized the, the hardware development, or have you outsourced? Yeah, we build everything in house, right? Um, yeah. Um, we uh, right now we are ma manufacturer in the U.S. with the partners, mm -hmm. but everything was a prototype. Everything built in prototype in, in house. Yes. Yes. Great. So thank you so much um, for this wonderful presentation, um, and Julia. It's it's really yeah. a great, especially hardware, which is not so common to have. By we have lots of people doing digital or purely digital products, and when we have the chance to talk with hardware founders, that's that's really great. To, to, to hear your story and good luck and now that you're going into the market and you're approaching this big fears and you're spreading the words um that's, i do that's, one thing maybe if yeah. I, I add one thing i know if there are uh, female entrepreneurs out there in the audience uh if you ever think I, when you want to do something do not let anything stop you because um yeah. um sky is the limit um, if you want to do something, you can do it. Yeah, we do have. We have Aya. She's a, she's a super entrepreneurial person. We have Juliana. She's also with us here. We have Teresa. So, hey, guys, if you want to reach out to Julia, you know where to find her. And go hit the sky's the limit. <laughs> Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you have so much. Great, great I day. Enjoy it.